Simmons. Fly ball, shallow left. Back is Cosma. He'll take it. He'll call. Oh, it's going to drop. It falls. Miscommunication. And the bases are loaded, and Box can't believe it. They're calling it an infield fly rule. You cannot call that no, an infield no fly rule. No way. Too deep. He wasn't camped. Welcome in, guys, to Infield Fly. This is a special Friday morning recording. We usually do uh, record our shows on Thursday nights, but we were pretty busy yesterday. So we're going to try and do it Friday and still get it out before the weekend. Um, not a whole lot been going on lately. Uh, MLB winter meetings were fairly slow. Um, there's been some NFL games going on. Uh, the Vols had a big win over Gonzaga Sunday, um, so we're going to touch on that. We got some questions also we're going to hit at the end of the show. Um, Blake, how's it going this morning? Pretty good. Bright and early. Mm, not loving being awake right now, but got to do it for those viewers to right. get this thing out on a Friday. Right. It's for you guys. Got to keep keep hitting that grind. Um so, yeah, if we sound like we need some, some coffee or something, we apologize. Ugh, no, no, no. Yeah. Coffee is disgusting. I'm not a big coffee myself either. Um, but with that said, we're just going to go ahead and jump on in. Um, MLB <laughs> winter meetings. There was a couple moves made over the week. Not a lot. I think probably most people expected a little more to, to happen. Um, with all the big names like Machado and Harper, uh, but I guess they're kind of still holding out and filling things out. But um, I guess the, <clears> biggest, <throat> the biggest signing was Andrew McCutcheon going to Philadelphia. Kind of fills a, a hole for them in the outfield. Um, what did you think about that move for Philly? I thought it was a pretty solid pickup. I thought it was good. I, I know he got that third year. Um. You know, he was kind of a guy that the Braves were potentially after. I would necessarily, for his value, I would not have wanted to pay that kind of price because um, he's really, uh, when I say on the back end, I'm talking about the very back end of his career. If you look at his numbers, where he was in his prime and how they've gone down significantly and his strikeout percentage has gone up significantly, um, his defense has went down. Has went down um, according to some, some of the stats. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, if that's who the Phillies want to go pay that kind of money for, and as long as it's not Bryce Harper, I'm fine with that. So, Right, right. I, yeah. I do I, – I know I put down for Pollock and um, for Brantley in my little preseason or pre-offseason predictions that they would get. I think I put down less money for uh, Brantley. I think I put him at three years and forty-eight million or something like that. Yeah. Um, McCutcheon got fifty over three. I do think Pollock and Brantley are going to get a significant amount more of money than that, and probably a fourth year. Um. So, but we'll see. You know, Phillies had that hole; they had to fill it. You know, once they moved Santana and put Hoskins back at first. So. Right. Yeah. Which that's. I mean. McCutcheon, like you said, he is on the kind of back end. I mean, he still is only 31, but 
his numbers have steadily declined since his, you know, peak in Pittsburgh when he won right. MVP. But and it doesn't feel like he's thirty one. It feels like he's older, and that's older, mainly because yeah. of the way he played. Yeah, it really does, honestly. Um, but I think they're kind of they're setting up in a tough division with getting Segura and then Kutch. But we'll see what happens. Um, and then there was a trade yesterday by the trader himself, Jerry Depoto, finalizing it from his hospital bed. <laughs> um, but Seattle got Edwin Encarnacion from the Indian, and uh, Cleveland got Carlos Santana back, bringing him back home to Cleveland. And then Tampa Bay got involved too, and they got Yandy Diaz from the Indians and sent Jake Bowers to Cleveland. Um, I guess I, I can see where uh, Seattle was coming from trying to unload Santana's contract and they have, they have a major hole to fill at DH losing Nelson Cruz. I really, we talked about this a little last night. I do not get why Tampa felt like they needed to get involved in this trade. Um, I really am high, pretty high on Jake Bowers. I think he was one of their top prospects, and he came up last year and hit pretty well. Um, got a lot of pop, can play corner outfield, first base. He hit uh, 11 home runs last year in 300 at-bats. So, um I mean, and and he's young. Like Tampa likes these young guys, so I did not really understand them trading away Bowers, who is how old is he? Uh, Twenty four. Twenty twenty two. Oh, yeah. he's twenty two, and Yandy Diaz is like twenty seven. Twenty seven. Yeah. So I, I didn't really get that from their perspective. Um, what about you? No, I mean I. I didn't really know much about Yandy Diaz initially. Yeah. Uh, but I did read the article that MLB posted with this just three team trade. He actually had the highest um what do they call exit velocity. Yeah. Pitches that he swung at last year. But he only hit one home run, I believe. Weird. My numbers are right there. And the reason is because he had one of the lowest launch angles for his ball, like the balls that he hit. Yeah. Uh, so maybe so Tampa sees Maybe Freaking. Tampa sees that, like, he can hit missiles, but he, maybe a little adjustment to his swing, yeah. get more of a launch on it. But still, to give up a 22-year-old prospect. Um, and, you know, <clears throat> we talked about this. Tampa's got uh, a power-hitting first baseman in Choi, and I could not find – I know I had said something last night about how I thought they'd had another guy who was kind of a similar player to Bowers, but I could not find out who I was thinking about. Um, but, yeah, I mean, 22 years old, there's still a lot left to be determined there. So you you got to think that Tampa sees something going on here with Diaz. Um, as far as Seattle goes, they basically were dumping Santana off, and I feel like in this. Yeah. Um, like you've said multiple times, you don't think Encarnacion is going to play in Seattle. Yeah, I don't think he'll ever put a jersey on probably in Seattle. We'll see. Maybe. But uh, an interesting note <clears throat> here is uh, DePoto actually went to the hospital for blood clots in his lungs. And really? it, uh, 
he completed this trade <laughs> with his assistant GM from a hospital bed. So that's, I mean, we know DePoto is a guy who loves to make trades, and I couldn't find the exact number. You said it was something like 62 yeah. from 15 to the beginning of this year. So a cut four wrote an article um, back in January of 2018, and it was from September 28, 2015 to January 12, 2018. The Mariners have made 62 trades. So then you tack on another full year because we're in December 18, and he's already made six trades in the last two months. So you're probably adding in a, probably another 10 trades in this season right. or this year. <clears throat> so the guy's at probably like 75 trades in three seasons. It's on the next closest team has like 50. It's on the guy's addicted to trades. It's like, it's like cocaine for him. Right. <laughs> I mean, when, you, when you're in the hospital with blood clots in your lungs and you're sitting there sending players off to Cleveland. Like, <laughs> and it's and it wasn't like it's like a superstar blockbuster trade like the yeah. no deal. This is kind of a bunch of money swaps and a prospect swap. Yeah. So it's crazy. But uh, Seattle did get a 28-year-old right-handed pitcher. Yeah. I, I was thinking there was I some read up on him a little there. bit. He, he wasn't much. Uh, they, I think it was Seattle who also got uh, the compensation compensatory picks uh, yeah something like that um yeah. 77th overall so you know we've seen those work out favorably for teams before i know the braves getting joey wentz and the comp pick or no no, no austin riley in a comp pick that they got via trade i know some teams have made some good picks uh in that comp round you know you think of mike trout i believe was a comp pick that the yankees had uh, given up. So whenever the Yankees signed Mark Teixeira, I believe, the Angels then got a comp pick for that because of the amount of money that he signed for and he was given a qualifying offer. Right. Um, and they turned that pick into Mike Trout. So it's, just a, it's, it's significant to note some of the, one of these comp picks are traded because 77th in the draft, you can get a really high quality player at that point. So for sure. For sure. Um, another team that's been kind of active, um, the Reds. Uh, they let Billy Hamilton walk to Kansas City, um, but they're they're being pretty active in the uh, in the pitching market. I keep hearing their name kind of pop up, and then we saw them trade for Tanner Roark, who's a pretty solid. Uh, he's a pretty solid starting pitcher, um, right. especially on a staff that is in dire need of pitching. Um, I, I see the Reds a lot with the Cardinals being in in the same division, and that offense is for real. Like, they, they can score some runs, um, but their pitching has been awful, awful, awful for the past few seasons. Um, if they go out and, uh, you, like, you predicted that they would sign Keiko, and I've heard them, kind of linked to him a little bit, but if they go out and kind of bolster their pitching staff, that that is a little frightening for me because the NL Central is, I mean, it's always been really good, but it is just becoming a gauntlet 
Um, I mean, four of the five teams last year finished over 500. So um, if the Reds can kind of kind of hit on some pitching, they they could become. I don't want to say challengers for the division, but a team that could probably be reckoned with because um, their offense, their offense has been good. So the pitching's been what is uh, what's been missing. I mean, I think they still need another outfielder. Yeah, they got a probably yeah. a center field. Yeah, that I mean Hamilton didn't hit a lot, but you still have to fill fill that uh, position with somebody. Right. So, I mean, I don't know if that comes via trade or free agency. I don't know how much money they're wanting to spend. But, yeah, the reason I really link Keiko to them is because of the ballpark they play in. Kind of the same reason that people have linked Keiko to Atlanta mm-hmm. is because he's a ground ball pitcher. He keeps the ball, you know, low and in the park. So, you know, that would work out good in Cincinnati, the great American small park, as you very well know. Right. Um, and I think, you know, he could come in and be their ace right away and help bring along some of those younger guys like Castilla and Maui um, and kind of lead them on until they're actually ready, excuse me, right. uh, ready to take over. Um, yeah, but Roar could slot in and he'll probably – be somewhere around there two or their three to start out, depending on who else they go out and get. So solid move for them. Yeah, I've, and I've just heard real quick on the Keiko thing, I know the there's a lot of smoke been coming out that the Braves are interested. I think that's coming more from Keiko's side because Mark Bowman, who is the Braves like media relations guy, like he if there's gonna be news about the Braves, he's gonna be the one to break it. And he's yeah. going to be the one that knows. And he has adamantly said that the Braves have not contacted Dallas Keuchel's representatives at all. Yeah. So, I was just, I mean, I'll believe him before anyone else. Yeah. So I was just reading some more um, names <clears throat> that the Reds have been linked with. So it said for Keuchel, they, they kind of are waiting for his price to drop a little bit. Um Mm-hmm. They also could bring – they're also looking at some cheaper options. Said they could bring Matt Harvey back, who was pretty pretty decent, actually, in uh, in Cincinnati. And then there also have been linked to JT Realmuto, which I think everyone has been linked to him at this point. I mean, and I've then, been linked to him at this point, yeah. Yeah. And then so a couple other names that they've been uh, talking about for trade um, – Sonny Gray and Marcus Stroman. So they're definitely uh, they're definitely playing around with with the pitching market. Um, Sonny Gray, I think, one hundred percent chance he gets traded at some point. Yeah, Stroman, I don't know, maybe, but uh, we'll see. We'll see what Cincinnati does. Hopefully, it's nothing too scary. Um, but the the relief pitching market has kind of been the main one that's been falling. Joe Kelly went to went to L.A., the Dodgers, and uh, Familia went back to the Mets. And then uh, Charlie Morton signed with Tampa, which he, he can be a starter or throw out of the pen. Um, I think they love that. Yeah, I mean, Tampa's kind of like you hear about them being spenders a lot more this offseason than I, I ever remember in years past, like, they gave Morton $30 million over two years, I think. And then we yeah. heard them link to that they 
kind of want to sign Nelson Cruz. I think the last I heard, uh, Cruz Cruz's two suitors was like uh, Tampa and the Twins. So kind of a different approach this offseason for Tampa Bay. I mean, a team that won 90 games last year, still missed the playoffs, but in a real tough division. Right. Um, but, I mean, most of their lineup is pretty young and cheap, so I guess they have some some payroll flexibility. Uh, I liked the move for the Dodgers getting Joe Kelly. He's always had real nasty stuff. Um, he'll be he'll be good. He'll be good out there. Um, and then the Mets get a guy to put in front of Edwin Diaz to pitch the eighth through the seventh inning. Um, it's a pretty solid pickup for them. But uh, and then you got Craig Kimbrell sitting out here, still kind of. Waiting around for his stuff to develop, but apparently he wants to get uh, nine figures, a nine-figure deal. He is – I don't know what's what he's thinking. He, he's about lost his marbles. No, I mean, I like all three of the moves. Um, and probably my favorite of those was the Morton deal. Two years, $30 million for a guy who can come in and be an established guy in your – rotation that's really somebody I wanted the Braves to take a long hard look at I don't yeah. know why they weren't willing to pay that price for that many years because you know even for Tampa they've got some young pitching that's kind of they're going to bring along slowly I guess and Correct. Simon Morton it buys you another year at least um he can just slot in there because I mean that second year of that deal there's a lot of things you can do with him after that right. so Absolutely. yeah I like both of these moves as far as Kimbrell goes this is the main reason that I knew he would not be back in Atlanta. Yeah, I don't know why people think that the Braves, who are a mid-market team at best, are going to pay $100 million for a closer at this point in their career. Or not yeah. career, but like at this point in their rebuild. Mm-hmm. Um, it would just handicap them going forward. They have much bigger needs to fill than a back-end bullpen guy. Like that's a guy – not necessarily Kimbrell, but you can get a bullpen guy in the middle of the season. Yeah. Like, you can wait this out. Or you can go get one that's not as expensive, as a, <clears> such <throat> as an Ottavino or a Zach Britton. You know, like, I don't necessarily know anybody that's going to pay $100 million for Craig Kimbrell. Like, the Red Sox have already said that they're cutting back on their spending for their bullpen to address other needs. So, I mean, it's not like the incumbent's going to get him. And I know that's what I had predicted, but I just don't know where Kimbrell's going to land if he wants that much money. I'm sure someone will make a stupid decision and, and sign him. You know, maybe the White Sox get too antsy not signing anybody else and go out and land him because they need another bullpen arm and they feel yeah. like they're going to contend this year. But I just I don't understand yeah. What he's thinking here, like, I mean, I do understand because he wants to get the maximum amount of money that he can. Right. But I just don't think no no relief pitcher has ever made that amount of money ever. Yeah. Granted, hardly any relief pitchers have been as good as Crick. But still, I think the record deal was like eighty four million for Chapman. Yeah. Like a couple years ago for the Yankees. So I mean, you're talking about sixteen million more. Yeah, I just don't see that happening. That's a steep price. I can't. I can't see. <clears throat> I can't see a lot of teams making that kind of offer. Um, well, that's about all that's happened lately. Um, still waiting around on Bryce and Machado. 
like the rumors, I mean, there's no, there's no new rumors with them. It's all the same teams that we keep hearing about. Um, maybe something will happen soon and we'll, we'll get to talk about that a little bit. Um, yeah, maybe it'll pick up the conversation. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, people probably I don't know, man. I think they're going to wait it out. <clears throat> it could be drug out. I mean, a lot of people probably don't. Uh, we're sitting here talking about Yandy as like <laughs> much yeah, to talk mean, about Bryce Harper. <laughs> nothing to write home about with Mr. Diaz. We'll yeah, see on next all season. But. Except his biceps, like. I saw a picture of him, and his like this guy is absolutely jacked. Like he has the arms of a Greek god. That's about the only thing that's swole. About. He is extremely swole. I'll send you a picture during the break. <laughs> All right. Um, so we're gonna take a quick break, and then when we get back, um, we're gonna talk about the NFL a little bit. We're gonna make our uh, Apologies to one Mr. Derrick Henry, and uh, I think Mr. Rochelle has got a rant on deck. So we'll take a quick break. tired of something that is going on in our country folks put on your big boy pants this is about to get just slightly political not really uh, republican or democrat or whatever but i am absolutely sick and tired of the hall monitoring that is going on in our country Kyler murray excellent athlete winner of the heisman trophy did he deserve it that's a debate to be had for another day um, I thought all three guys had a great season. I didn't think you could pick the wrong person there. Um, but after he won the Heisman Saturday night, social media took to their own justice to go after him from tweets from when he was 15 years old where he made an anti-gay slur, and they were using this to try to defame him. This is not the first time that this has happened in the sports world. A few more other examples. Sean Newcomb earlier this year was just pitches away from a no-hitter against the Dodgers. What happens after the game? They dig up year-old tweets that had homophobic slurs in them. All right, another example here, Josh Hader. I believe it was during the postseason. Correct me if I'm wrong, Ben. It was in the, was in the All-Star game. <laughs> It was an all-star game. Thank you. That's why you're here. Thank you. Anyway, Josh Hader comes in in the all-star game, and moments after he has finished pitching, we find more racist, homophobic, and misogynic tweets that resurfaced from when he was 17 years old. This, this spring, before the NFL draft, Josh Allen had racist tweets emerge from when he was a teenager. And also this spring... During the 
or after the national championship game, Dante DeVincio, who won the Final Four Most Outstanding Player, had a profane tweet with racist rap lyrics surface on the internet. Folks, listen here. I'm going to tell you something that's probably going to make you think less of me and less of everybody who I've ever talked to in my entire life on anything. When you were 13 and 14 years old, guess what? You said anti-gay things. You probably repeated some racist things. It was jokes. Because you know what? When you're 13 and 14, you're an idiot. Okay? You do anything for laughs. I can yeah. remember specifically in, in, uh, in high school and in middle school, the teachers would adamantly say, if you laugh at someone, you just, you're just giving them fuel to the fire. Well, guess what? When you're a kid, all you care about is making people laugh. That's all I cared about. I didn't care what I said. Now, granted, I didn't say, you know, I want to kill somebody or anything ridiculous like that. But, yeah, I probably said something that was homophobic. But guess what? It was the way that the world was then. You know, when I was 13 years old, being gay wasn't the mainstream thing to do. Like, it wasn't as accepted as it is now. Okay? And I was 13, 14. These guys were teenagers. Like, come on. You, you, you can't think that a person has grown to not do that. You think Kyler Murray now would tweet out something like that? No. He's matured as a person and progressed as a person. So this shaming when people do things good, and yeah, let me get started on that too. Why does it only come out when people do something good? You're trying to ruin their spotlight, ruin their moment. Kyler Murray had the moment of his life Saturday yeah. night. He just won the award for being the best player in college football. And all these social justice warriors care about is ruining his reputation. Well, guess what, Kyler Murray? I don't care what you tweeted out when you're 14 years old. I honestly don't care. Leave them up. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to me because I know that's not how you are. I know that's not how you feel. And I'm not going to try to take that spotlight away from you. I'm just, I'm sick of this. It's ridiculous. It's not going to stop. It's just only going to get worse. And I've said this to every single person that has mentioned it to me. If you go into a game lobby or a 4chan chat when you were in high school or middle school, heck, even now, if you were to record what some of those people are saying, and find out who they were, their reputations will be out the window. Yeah, like, That's just how people are in a closed setting. And it's, you know, it's sad if you, you act like that. When you're a kid, like I'm not saying that they should be able to just do or say whatever they want to, but they're a kid for a reason, man. Like, get over it. Like, are you seriously going to sit here? I know people think that a 14-year-old and a 13-year-old can decide their life's plans and what they want to do, yeah, they think that, but here they're going to, and then they're going to say, oh, and they shouldn't be saying these racist things. Like, they're a kid. Leave them alone. Yeah. God, and it's it's just pissing me off so much because I know for a fact that if I would have had Twitter when I was 13 years old, uh, I'd probably be in some trouble right now if, if I was a popular person getting a lot of publicity. And another thing. The DaVincio, his tweet had racist rap lyrics. You want to talk about a culture that has changed the way that kids talk and think? It is rap music. I love rap music. I'll listen to it all day. But you go look at some rap lyrics, and people aren't calling those guys out for what yeah. they say. Like It's accepted then, but a 13-year-old is not allowed to say, well, I'm not going to say that that because yeah 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 we yeah. don't want to get called out for anything but yeah yeah it's just it's ridiculous man like and everybody knows where i stand politically this doesn't have anything to do with your political stance like you can yeah. be on the left or the right and see that this is ridiculous just yeah. like you can see other things 
that are ridiculous mutually. Like this is so stupid, and it's 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 got to stop. It's not going to because it's just the way this country's going. They're going down the crapper, but it's just frustrating. I mean, it's it's like it's gotten to the point now where, for example, what's going on right now? We got the NFL going on right now. Let's say Patrick Mahomes wins the MVP. You know the first thing that's going to come to my mind? When is old tweets going to come out for him? Yeah. When, is, when are they going to have something homophobic for him? And I know people say, well, just delete your Twitter. Well, you shouldn't have to. People should be able to logically think that he were 13, 14, even up to 17 years old. It's like you're still in high school. You're still trying to get the last. It doesn't, you know, 17 is not an adult to me. And magically turning 18 doesn't make you an adult, in my opinion, either. People mature at different rates. They grow at different rates. So, I just, it's got to stop. So, yeah. I'm, I'm done talking about it. It's making me mad. So, let's just, let's just it's over. Yeah. I mean, I agree with everything you said. It's, it's sad that, like you said, the first thing that we think of after someone does something good is, well, why in this, does it... What, does it make them feel these SJWs? Does it make them feel good about themselves to try and tear someone else down? Like, like you said, right as soon as they get their spotlight, like, is that does that make them feel good, better about living in their mom's basement? Like, I don't, I don't, I don't get it, man. I, don't, I really don't. I was so happy for Kyler Murray winning the Heisman, and then someone has to do stuff like that. So, I, I wish it would stop, but like you said. It won't, but I, I would just be interested in like one time if somebody, you know, resurfaced something from 10 years ago and the, the person like what if <clears throat> Tyler Murray had just been like, I'm not I don't feel the need to apologize for something I said when I was 12. Like what if he had just said he wasn't going to apologize? What would they do? Absolutely nothing. So. I well, don't know. OK, back to the division thing a little bit he tweeted in 2011 he quoted rap lyrics from Meek Mill's song Derek Rose he yeah. said balling on these yeah n-i-g-g-a-s like I'm Derek Rose are you kidding me you're gonna get upset about that get upset about Meek Mill putting that in his song that's right. so stupid yeah. but, yep. and you know what Ben you talked about you wish someone would like just, just not, not apologize, apologize. yeah yeah, I mean, honestly, at this point, that's that's pretty ballsy move, to be honest yeah, with you. Like, it is. I wish someone would do that. Now, yeah. Kevin Hart kind of did that, but, you know, he had some tweets come out and jokes come out or whatever. Um, Which he did. He apologized already, for him. He already apologized he for already him. Apologized and they, years they ago. They wanted him to issue another apology before he did the Oscars. Get, I mean, look, I'm going to sound like a weirdo here, but. Sometimes I like to watch The View on YouTube just because it pops up. And I, I just love to hear those women talk about things they don't know anything about and how what? stupid they sound. But they were kind of cool with Kevin Hart doing what he did. They were like – and, like, these these ladies I'm talking about, if you want to talk about left-wing Democrat liberals, Whoopi Goldberg is the worst, of course, with Joe Bear, Bear whatever – that Kid Rock loves so much. Yeah. But even them, like when, when you can convince them, they, them that this is ridiculous, I mean, you know you're going somewhere. Like this is, 
And Kevin Hart's like, look, I'm, I'm not going to apologize again. I already did it. So, <laughs> oh, and you know, <laughs> don't even get me started on comedians. I mean, if we oh, limit comedians to their content, just get out of here, man. Like yep. it's world, we're trying to make a, a miserable world for ourselves. Yeah. So. Anyways, speaking of apologies, we have one of our own to issue here. Uh, clipped together some uh, takes that we had on uh, Mr. Derek Henry. Um, so, Derek, this one is for you. Derek Henry is the softest running back in this entire league. A guy Ooh. that is six th- six foot three. 238 pounds should not be doing jump cuts to avoid cornerback. He should be running them over. We have a Heisman winning running back who is 6'3", yada yada pounds, can run over people. He doesn't do it. He doesn't run over. He doesn't do it. He's frustrated me so much. I've never just been 100% all my chips in on Derrick Henry. He can't. He cannot pass protect. Uh, well, he's, he's an Alabama running back. So None of them know how to pass protect. Um, he does not need to be on the field at all. So sick of this Derrick Henry narrative that I keep seeing, that people keep buying into for whatever reason, that he needs to have more touches, that he needs 20 to 25 carries. Like, if he gets 25 carries, he'll really get going. I'm about tired of seeing Derrick Henry lose yards. Tired of it. Derrick Henry, we ripped on you. Hardcore ripped on you at the start of this season. Rightfully so. I will not say that we were wrong in ripping on you. You were running extremely soft, like you were a five foot ten. 180 pound running back, not a 6'3, 200, and whatever you are. <clears throat> and we ripped you hard. And then Thursday we went to Nashville and we watched you run for 230 whatever yards. And we watched you stiff arm Jaguars linebackers into the ground, stop and wait on linebackers to catch up to you to stiff arm them into the ground. <laughs> And we are sorry. I was chanting your name to get that fifth touchdown. I'll say it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's it's kind of like, uh, what's that one chick who sings sorry, not sorry? Like, Derek Henry, we're oh, sorry, but Demi we're Lovato. not sorry because we were kind of right. Yeah, 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 the druggie. We were yeah. like, oh, man. we're sorry, <laughs> but we're not sorry. Yeah. So, 
he's running the ball better. Like, I, I still am not on board with that. He needs to get a ton of carries because I still don't think like he's not going to duplicate what he just did. But he has been running the ball better. He's he's been more decisive hitting the hole. He's actually like putting his head down and finishing runs. So he's changed. He's changed the way he was running from the start of the year. So and I mean, that's a good thing. Yeah, it is. I mean, I'm happy. I'm glad the guys the guys fixed it. Like I didn't want to be bashing him, but he was running soft, and now he's, you know, not so. Um. But the Titans, uh, that was a, a good, pretty good game for them uh, Thursday. Um, stomped Jaguars 30-9. to nine. Um, I know I had had a good time out there with you. Yeah, um, we were there for anyone who didn't listen to our yeah, short podcast last our, week. Our little shorty. Um, Mariota didn't have to do a whole lot because Derrick Henry um, defense Literally well. carried the team. Yeah, literally. Defense played pretty well. I'm still not certain the Jags' one touchdown was a touchdown. Um, it wasn't. I watched it a million times, and it wasn't a touchdown once. That's yeah. So, I mean, it didn't matter at that point. But I mean, the, and then Sunday the Titans didn't play, but things went about as well as they possibly could have. Um, yes, everybody that we needed to win won, with the exception of New England losing on a the crazy play in Miami where I still don't know why Gronk was back there, but uh, the Raiders beat the Steelers, the 49ers beat the Bengals. I mean, it really could, the chiefs beat the Ravens. It really couldn't have went any better. So um, it's set up good. Now they got the giants this week in New York, uh, two point dogs. The Titans are two point underdogs. Um, wow, but, are you serious? Yeah, last time I checked the line, we were two point dogs. That's I'll check insulting. it again. I know the Giants have played good the last few weeks, but Jesus, they suck. <laughs> they do suck, <laughs> but uh, we gotta they gotta keep winning. Um, still need a little help, but pretty big game this week. So, yeah, I mean, all of them are big at this point. We gotta win yeah. out to make the postseason. So, yes, they do. Um, Odell, I know, has been questionable, so that that would be kind of nice if he wasn't playing. It would take away. Yeah, weapon. I've seen some reports saying that he's probably going to end up playing, which yeah. is not good. Um, so it's down to one and a half now. So, but um, that's. I mean, now that's almost a pick 'em. You yeah. know, even at two, that's almost a pick 'em. I still. If it was, if it was like four, that's easy money for me. Yeah, like I think the Titans can win this game if not oh, keep it within three. Definitely. Um, I mean, the key to stopping the Giants is stopping Saquon Barkley. He's having an unbelievable, an unbelievable season. I saw. I think you know he's on pace for over two thousand um, all-purpose yards, and he would be like only one of three rookies to ever go over two thousand all-purpose yards. I can't remember exactly who the other two were, but. Um, I think one was like Eric Dickerson, so pretty phenomenal. I mean, it's going to be a challenge. Going to be a large challenge. It is, but you know, thankfully Rashawn Evans has really stepped his game up recently, so maybe that's something that can work in our favor. He has, as far as the run defense goes. Yeah, he has. 
Um, so. Played pretty well. And then Conklin and Smith are both out for the year. I don't know if you saw that. Um, I did. Conklin with that. the knee. So that kind of further uh, pushes your point that maybe he's been playing hurt this year. Yeah, I think he rushed back from that ACL. I mean, I know guys are coming are overcoming ACL injuries quicker than ever, but it still is an ACL tear, man. Like that's not easy to recover from, especially for a big guy. So yeah, I definitely think he rushed back. Um, and then you know maybe he'll be fully healthy next year. That would be nice. And then Jonu had been really coming on and playing pretty well. Um, so it was a little disappointing to see him go down. Yeah, he went down on on Henry's ninety nine yard rush. Um, yeah, so I mean, he we're we're not that deep at tight end anymore. I know. Ferguson I will say this decent. about Smith. I think, and I tweeted this about a week ago or so. I think Fersker. Uh, it's going to give you just amount, the same amount of production, Johnny. Yes, I know John; he's Probably. not as talented as Johnny, but if you look at his numbers, first year has been pretty dang consistent when he's you throw him the football. Yeah, I think he's caught every ball that's been targeted to him, right? Uh, I know that was the case before the uh, the game before before the Texans game when we got yeah. blown, blown out. Yeah. So I mean, could no, no, no. Before the Jets game, sorry, sorry. Yeah. But uh, yeah. I mean, I, you know, Johnu has had some issues blocking uh, this year. I know I've seen him, and he's been known to get a few penalties as well. Yeah. So you know, you hate to see the guy go down for the year. But luckily, it was just MCL, so surely he'll be fully recuperated for OTAs when they come around next season. Yeah. Uh, but now we get to see Dennis Kelly step in and see if that line can improve a little bit. You know, maybe a healthy Dennis Kelly is better than a hurt Jack Conklin. Which he's missed some practice this week. I think he was a full participant. Those are, fam- those are family issues, okay. I think, is what I saw. I didn't see yeah, exactly yeah. why that was, but okay. Yeah, I'm pretty okay. sure that uh, Torrin Davenport tweeted out that those are family-related problems, which Conklin's missed a lot of practice this year. I mean, he, you know, with the illness and with – the concussion, I think he had at one point. Yeah. Like, it's just some weird stuff. Or not Conklin. Kelly. Kelly. Yeah. Kelly has missed some practice this year. So, that was, you know. We'll see. Yeah. So, yeah, we will see. How do you think this game is going to play out? I mean, we pretty much, like, we don't have to go in depth about the teams. We pretty much, it's week, what, 15. We know what everybody's made yeah, of. Yeah, we, Giants we know aren't, aren't Giants aren't very good. The Titans are inconsistent. So how do you think this one's going to play out? Man, it's so hard to pick the Titans. It really is. It's like, I have no faith usually. And I guess the only reason I'm going to pick the Titans is because I feel like they know that their season's on the line every week yeah. now. Um, so I think the Titans probably come out and handle this game. I don't say they're going to win by 20 or anything ridiculous like that. Yeah. I think they can probably win by 10 or so. Maybe something like, Shoot, I don't know, 24-14, something like that. Yeah. Especially if OBJ doesn't play, and then you've really only got to contain Barkley. Barkley. Yeah. If OBJ plays, I think this could get scary for the Titans' playoff hopes. Um, But we'll see. I don't know that I feel confident. I don't know that I feel confident in any corner covering Odell. But – 
uh, I, th- I think the Titans will come out with a win too. Um, I just I don't think the Giants are very good at all. I know they slaughtered the Redskins last week, but they also played Mark Sanchez and Josh Johnson at quarterback. So like can't look into that a whole lot. Um, but I, I like the Titans to come out come out with a win there. Cause like you said, they know they know what's on the line right now. They they have to win out to to make the playoff. So did you see the tweet that I sent out yesterday? Um, I think it was from Titans Sided. Mm. The flashback to the Titans starting lineup when they played the oh. Giants the last time. Yeah. It was from I John did. Glenn Sports. I um, did see so I'm going to read that on air real quick so other people can kind of get an idea. Like when people complain about certain players on this team and how inconsistent they are, you're, you're right in your argument, but just listen to where the Titans were yeah. just four years ago. Uh, and this game was on December the 7th, a day which will live in infamy. Uh, but, yeah, so at quarterback, Zach Mettenberger, running back, Bishop Sankey, Oh boy. Wide receivers were Derek Hagan and Nate Washington. Tight end was Brett Brackett. I don't even remember that guy. I don't remember Derek Hagan. I remember Hagan. Um, and then Delaney Walker. And then here's your offensive line from left to right. Will Svidek? I remember him, but I don't know how to say his name. Yeah. Andy Levitre. Oh, mm. Terrible signing there. Chris Spencer. Chance Warmack and Byron Stingley. Good. Yes. You want to talk? I mean, <laughs> two good players in that entire offense: Walker yeah. and Washington. Yeah. Everyone else, absolute trash. Spinnerad. I, I, I can. I don't. I think that that was the year before we drafted Mariota. So that was the year we got the number two pick. Yeah. And there's a reason we got the number two pick. Because we were terrible. I mean, so thank goodness we are where we are now. Lord, do not take it for granted, folks. For real, we talked about appreciating. We talked about appreciating Grant Williams a couple weeks ago. Let's appreciate where the Titans are now compared to that garbage lineup. Oh man, that's horrible. Um, But taking a look at the rest of the NFL, you know, playoffs are really. Start another team clinched the spot last night with the the Chargers beating the Chiefs, um, and I really think I don't I don't they're now what are you gonna say? I was gonna say they're now tied for the division and the number one overall seed. Yeah, so win. I don't really have like a like a scalding hot take this week or anything. Um, so I'll just give you kind of a. A lukewarm and I think warm that, take. Yeah, like a kind of a kind of warm one. It's it's just been heated up in the microwave a little. Um, I think that that was an AFC championship game preview last night. I think those two teams are gonna be uh fighting for the Super Bowl when it's all said and done. I don't I don't really believe in any of the other AFC teams. Like I don't believe in Pittsburgh. They just got beat by Oakland. Um right. I, I don't really believe in Houston like uh, they could still end up they could still lose the division um yeah and then I, I hope so I, I said if my, my hot take a few weeks ago was that the Patriots dynasty is over so I, I really don't believe in them to beat Kansas City or, or San, uh, San Diego oh my gosh I just pulled Stephen A. Smith um <laughs> Los Angeles or Kansas City like 
I think they're the best two teams in the AFC, and I don't really know if it's that close, honestly. Um, I don't know what your take is on that, but I, I think I think those are the two. Those got to be the two favorites in the AFC so far. <clears throat> well, I know I went on record last week saying I like the Texans. Yeah, you uh, did. Then they lose to the Colts. You know, it's not a devastating loss, but Houston's schedule, they still have to play Philadelphia yep. and Philly. Well, and I, I think we'll probably talk about it a little bit later about our chances at the division. But, you know, Kansas City, as good as Mahomes is, and that D-line played pretty good in the first half of that game. Chris Jones was a monster. Still, it is not, it's not anything to write home about, man. Like, yeah. You get it like the Chargers, for example. You get a team that can can consistently throw the ball and pass for Tech, and has somewhat. And the, and the Chargers didn't have a running game last night. Yeah. But if they could somehow establish a running game, bring back Melvin Gordon, I think they win that game by two scores. Yeah. I mean, so, they. So after the first quarter, like the Chiefs dominated the first quarter, but then the Chargers really like owned the rest of the game and. Like you said, they didn't have Melvin Gordon or Eckler. And then Keenan Allen went out in the first quarter and never returned. So, uh, and they still yeah, won. And they still, they still managed to win. I mean, I think the Chargers' defense is pretty good, I think. Um, the, Chiefs yeah. can't, the Chiefs can't cover anybody. I know they got Eric Berry back, but, I mean, he's, you know, let's I don't know honest. how much he's, he's going to help in the past. Defense. Right. He's not going to. He's not going to be uh, a defense-changing guy anymore, probably. So, I don't know. Um, I mean, they can they can outscore about anybody like that. Patrick Mahomes is just unreal talent. I um, still like the Patriots, though, man. Like, if we talk about all these weaknesses for these teams, the Chiefs yeah. defense, the Chargers health, the Steelers being the Steelers, the Texans, you know, maybe they aren't really nine and four. Like yeah. that's not truly who they should be. But the Patriots, like they have weaknesses. But if I'm going to pick any of these coaches to to work around weaknesses, it's going to be Bill Belichick every single time. For sure, he's proven that. Um, and we didn't even talk about the Ravens. Like the Ravens' defense is really good, but I'm not. I'm not a believer in Lamar Jackson. And he's been I named the starter now. Yeah, they bench Flacco. I don't think you can get to the Super Bowl running your quarterback 25 times a game. I think he's going to get hit hard one or two times, and he's probably not going to either – A, he's not going to want to run that much more, or B, he's not going to be able to run that much more. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. So, that's why I like the Titans' chances. If they can get in, man, I, I like them because we've seen their defense at its best and how good it can be, and if – if the offense can establish anything, mm-hmm. they can be one of the top teams in this conference. Definitely agree. I mean, you beat the free, you beat both of the teams that made the Super Bowl last year. I mean, come on, yeah. like you know, you got probably should have beat the Chargers in London. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, you can beat the Texans. You beat them with your backup quarterback. Yep. Now you did lay a huge goose egg against the Ravens, but I think that's more the exception than the uh, rule there. Yeah. Okay feel like that was probably an anomaly yeah i mean i i, I like them too if they can if they can get in that's the that's the main that's thing. the big thing yeah. if they can get in which it looks good i mean i guess you want to kind of talk about that now or you want to talk about nfc stuff uh we can talk about that now since we're on afc 
I got you. Well, I mean, I know I've been playing around with the ESPN playoff machine. It's a really cool feature. I don't know if you've ever used it before. Uh-uh. But, uh, well, anybody that wants to know, go to Google, type in ESPN NFL playoff machine. And what it is is, so there's three weeks left in the season. And it has the standings or whatever for both conferences. And it lays out each game for each week. And you pick a winner or a tie. And you do that for the next three weeks. And it will tell you what the playoffs would look like in different scenarios. So at work, on some downtime I had, I've been playing around with that a lot. And as a lot of you know, the Titans still need a little bit of help going forward. Um, with with the Ravens needing to lose a game and with the Steelers needing to lose a game. Uh, well, Ravens or Steelers, something like yeah. that. Well, But if you look at the schedule, the Steelers still have the Patriots and the Saints. Saints. You figure, you figure they're going to lose one of those, if not both. Right. The Ravens they're in trouble. Still, the Ravens still have – well, I'm going to pull it up. But anyway, so you've got the Colts, who you have the same record as. But if you beat them – then they're all they're going to be a game lower than you if you went out right so right uh, and then the Dolphins I'm sorry I know the Dolphins beat the Patriots but they just do not scare me right now uh, uh, but going the, the Ravens have the their home against Tampa Bay then they go to the Chargers and then they're home against the Browns okay I was thinking of the Chargers game. Really need some help there from the Chargers. Yeah. Uh, and that's on the 22nd. That's going to be yes. on that same Saturday that we play the Redskins. Yes. So, and even even if they were to somehow beat the Chargers, I still think the Browns could potentially win that last game of the year. The Browns are not that, that bad, man. The Browns are, like, I, I picked in, like, our little preseason thing, I said the Browns would win six games this year, and they've, They've won five already. They're one away. So, I know. They tied one. They could have won another one. I know, man. But, yeah, I mean, anyway. Titans going forward. You know, you've got Giants, Redskins. I think you should win both of those games easily. Yes. And then you've got the biggest game of your your, your season, against Week 17 against the Colts. And it's going to be popping for that game if we win out and if the Ravens lose to the Chargers because, essentially – if the Ravens lose to the Chargers and the Dolphins lose to, I believe they have Jacksonville and Minnesota. Minnesota still, man. Like Minnesota's not been that good. They have. The they got at Minnesota versus the Jags and at the Bills, all losable games. All losable, but also all winnable. Yes. So, but I just I know I thought I had seen where Tannehill is going to be out this week. Um, he's but questionable. Well, I mean, he no. I'm not gonna... Wednesday, Gase said he'll play unless something crazy happens. So he'll what? He will play unless something crazy. Okay, happens. I got you. Well, I still think they could. You know, they could lose one of those games. But sure. It still comes back to that week one game, man. Just the craziness that ensued with the four hours of delays. Because if we won that game, we we would be control our own destiny right now but you know a lot of what ifs here whatever but i mean we have to win our games that's the utmost importance we cannot worry about what everyone else is doing if we don't win our games it don't matter so yeah that we do um and then on the nfc side uh obviously the saints and the rams are killing it over there got the 
the Vikings that we just talked about, they're sitting at the sixth seed and they're not, they're six, six and one like that. That's pretty sad. Honestly, it's kind of, it's kind of sad over there in the NFC. Uh, A lot of teams that I thought would have been contending are not like I only cut out for our, for our notes. I cut the top 10 and like, the Packers are there, five, seven, and one. Barely. The Eagles are six and seven. The Falcons are nowhere to be seen. I don't know what happened to them. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think the Saints and the Rams are, are definitely the heavy favorites over there. I like the Bears, but I don't think their offense is good enough. Like, I don't think Trubisky is going to be taking any team to the Super Bowl. As much as I like Mitch, I don't think he's he's at that that right. point in his career yet. Like they're all about the defense, and I mean their defense is unbelievably good. Um, so definitely think. I mean, they did beat the Rams, Rams, though. They did beat the Rams. Uh, Golf played awful. Um, yes, he did. So, but and I, I still you know, think part of that's that, probably golf, but part of that is definitely the defense. Oh, absolutely. So. Absolutely. I mean, their their defense can can win. They can beat anybody with that D. So, but I still think the Saints and the Rams. Saints haven't played very well lately. They haven't. And I know we talked about MVP votes earlier. Right after a few podcasts we said, ago, and right after we were hyping up Drew Brees for MVP, they have come out and kind of pooped around on us. Right. Uh, they lost. Yeah, I think that's kind of swung my vote a little bit as well. To Mahomes. Yeah, I think at right now, I think Mahomes is the MVP. What about Philip Rivers? Yeah, I mean it's it's gonna be hard to make an argument against him. I think that's that'd be a solid pick. You know, I mean, he he's always been underrated, undervalued, extreme, and I think that will. Definitely play to his disadvantage as far as this voting goes. Yeah, but I, I think just a wow factor that Mahomes has, the plays that he makes that no one else makes, the no look passes, the left-handed like, passes. He was throwing, he threw the, the ball left. like three times left-handed last night. I know, man. That's just, I think that's why he gets it. Yeah. I mean, I, I saw a tweet that said, "Is Patrick Mahomes changing the game of football the way Steph Curry has changed basketball?" I, I don't think it's like that it's, drastic because yeah, it's it's different. Like not, not everyone has that kind of arm talent, right? And it's not like he's doing anything a different. I don't know how I want to word this, but Curry came in and he was like, "I'm just going to shoot threes every yeah. single time." Like in the NBA, for that it was like, "Oh, I'm going to dunk." You know, recently it's like, oh, I'm going to dunk the ball. I'm going to jump higher than everyone and be more athletic than everyone. Yeah. And he, Curry kind of came in and was like, well, I can't do that. So I think I'll just shoot every single time we get the ball. Yeah. But uh, see, with Mahomes, it's a little different because there's only one thing he can really do, and that's throw the ball. Yeah. It's not like he can do it any different. But just the way that he can throw the ball, like the talent that he has been God-given – yeah, it's not something that you can coach. Right. I mean, you you can – When a guy can, can throw the ball 60 yards on the run, like, yeah. that 
I'm sorry, you cannot train to do that. That yeah. is just something that you have. Right. I mean, you can practice shooting threes all day and, and improve at that and get better at that. I'm not saying you're going right. to get Steph Curry level, but you can get better. No, no, no. You, no. Can't, you can't, like, train your arm to be able to throw it from goal line to goal line. You just can't. And that's that's like pitching, bro. Like, we talk about velocity. Like, it's the thing that you just have or you don't. Like, I was never blessed with being able to throw hard. Yeah. And, like, I tried to work out when I was playing baseball and, like, work out and, you know, do long toss and throw as much as I could. But it just it just wasn't there. Like, I just couldn't throw 90 miles per hour. Yeah. Like, There's only so much you can arm do. Talent, yeah, arm talent just is not – you can't build on it a yeah. lot. Maybe you can add a little bit, but not much. Right. All right, we're going to take. At least, if you can, we haven't figured it out yet. Yeah, not yet, (laughs) not yet. Uh, We're going to take a quick little break here, and then when we come back, we're going to talk about our most, our most uh, exciting probably segment in a while, um, because the basketballs have been playing awesome lately, Um, and we'll talk about them when we get back. Welcome back in, guys. Um, we're going to talk about the Vols a little bit. And no, we're not going to talk about the offensive coordinator because that is a tired subject. Um, we're going to talk about... against what PETA wants. We are beating a dead horse with that one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> but the, the uh, basketball team went to Phoenix and beat Gonzaga, who was ranked number one, beat them 76 to 73. It was an awesome game. I mean, it totally felt like a Final Four matchup. Um, uh, Admiral Schofield absolutely put the team on his broad shoulders and willed them to victory. I mean, he was hitting three after three, and they were they were not like – they were crazy threes, man. Like, they were NBA range threes. He banked one in, and then he ended up hitting the game winner on a, a play that was drawn up by – by Coach Barnes, um, ended up hitting the game winner. And it was just – it was awesome game. Uh, so fun to watch against a really talented Gonzaga team. And uh, Tennessee went in there and beat them and beat them without Lamonte Turner um, and beat them without getting very much scoring at all from Jordan Bone or Kyle Alexander. <coughs> and Grant Williams fouled out with like three minutes to go. So, really just – I was really impressed and really happy. It was awesome. Um, what did you think about the game? Um, well, I saw the first half. 
fell asleep during the second half until there was about five minutes left. So I did get to see Dad Merle put on the show that he did. Yes, sir. Um, but just looking at the numbers, like Schofield six to ten from threes, that's gonna probably be like a once in the season kind of deal <laughs> for him. So I'm glad it happened against number one Gonzaga. Yeah, and got that win. Uh, I'm pretty disappointed with what Kyle Alexander did. Two points is all he could muster up. Yeah, uh, I know it, it looked like he was in some foul trouble, but yeah, he was. Um, Grant, 12 boards, 7 assists, 16 points. I mean, you Pretty can't nice. ask for much more from him. No. Uh, we got to get Lamonte back, though, man. We've oh, got to yes. get another guard yep. off the bench. I know Bowden played good in this game, but I don't think he can consistently do that or consistently bring the ball down the court. Um, and Bone was off. Like, he had 9 assists, but as far as scoring the ball, 2 of 13. Yeah, rough. Yeah, not, rough a, not a good offensive game for Bone. Um, but we, I don't know what the deal is with Lamonte. You know, some some people. I don't want to scare anybody. I'm not trying to stir the pot or anything. But uh, some people that I trust a little bit have said that it's not looking good for him to be at full health the rest of the year. So I don't know what you yeah. want to do with that. If you want to just eat your lumps and give him the red shirt and give him another year or what. But, uh, yeah, it's not looking good. I know it's the same issue with Markel Fultz in the NBA. I don't know how much you followed that. But uh, the shoulder issue, basically, he's changed in his shot. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, a shoulder for a shooter, which, I mean, Lamonte is our best shooter. No a, doubt. A shoulder for, for a shooter is is like a foot injury for a base stealer. And, I mean, that's, that's your bread and butter. So Right. Right. So, I mean – I don't know if it's all mentality and no physical or if it's a mixture somewhere in between. Yeah. But regardless, if it's affecting his shot, you know, that's not good. It's not. So, not and this kind of came out of nowhere. Like, I don't – I didn't really see that much in the offseason about well, it. I don't, I don't – He had a surgery on it. He had surgery on it during the offseason. Yeah, I missed that one. So. Yeah. Which, that's just weird, though. You have the surgery on it. Oh, is it not? It did not heal properly. You reaggravate it. Like that's some some interesting yeah, stuff I don't, going on there. Shoulders are scary, man. They're hard to recover from. Right. So, but ho- I mean, hopefully he gets back to full health because, like you said, we we definitely gotta have. I mean, they're they're basically running a six man rotation right now. Yeah. You know, Fulgerson's getting a few minutes to be the seventh guy, but... Yeah, he hasn't contributed a whole lot lately. Um, I mean, so really, I mean, you look, Bowden's got to be more consistent, and then um, Pond started off really hot against Gonzaga. I think he scored, like, the first three buckets or something, and then he kind of disappeared. So you're going to have to get offensive production from somewhere. Um, right, I mean, and you know, coming in the season, I didn't expect it from Pons to contribute offensively. Yeah. But he's gonna have to now. Yep, he's gonna have to give us, you know, ten points a night, just about. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you're you've lost the sixth man of the year in the SEC. Right, would be would be starting in a lot of places. Yeah. So, and I'm not so sure he wouldn't be starting right now. Yeah, if he was healthy with 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 Bowden struggles, yeah. Yeah, I think Schofield would then go to the three, 
and Turner would be, you know, interchangeable with Bone at guard. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely could see that. Um, I, f- I feel like one thing for Tennessee, they got to get to the free throw line more. Like, just some of their past few games, they don't have all the stats, but I just remember thinking that we don't shoot a lot of free throws. against Gonzaga, we only shot 10 or 6 of 10 from the right. line, and, and Fulkerson shot 6 of those. 6 of them? So, yeah. So, they yeah, got to get okay. to the line more. What? This is just me thinking out loud right here. So, Fulkerson's a guy who shot six of our free throws. He doesn't strike me as a very strong individual down low. Yeah. I know with um, Jarnell Stokes when he was at Tennessee, he was so strong that even when he would get fouled, it would barely affect him at all. Yeah. Do you think that could potentially be an issue there with Grant Williams being so strong down low, Kyle Alexander being strong? Like, they haven't really went up against anybody who's stronger than them than them yeah. down low. So, maybe that's part of the issue there is that they might still be getting fouled as much. Yeah. But it's just not conclusive or it's um, not as – it doesn't stand out as much. Maybe. I don't know. That's just me thinking out loud. Yeah, no, I see what you're saying. But I also think that it's because they settle – for jump shots too much and don't okay. attack don't attack the rim as hard as they should like Fulkerson he's like he's always in the paint like he never comes out of the paint because he can't shoot right and he's always like he crashes the boards hard and stuff so I think he gets a lot of he gets a lot of attempts at the rim and that that causes him to get fouled a little more often I mean Grant's always down there too but Grant also can shoot outside so he he's outside a little more and maybe i'm um, i don't know i haven't really thought about it that hard but I, I think they need to attack the paint a little harder that that's just my two cents um but grant grant has got to stop we've talked about it a lot he has got to stop fouling he's got to be for a smart guy he commits some dumb fouls man Right. His, his fifth foul against Gonzaga, so stupid. I mean, his fourth foul was a phantom call. Like, he didn't even touch the guy. It was bad. But once you get that fourth one, you have got to know. And I know nobody is harder on Grant Williams than himself and Rick Barnes. And it's probably been pounded into his brain a million times. But you've got to know, man. We they cannot afford to be yeah they beat Gonzaga without you for the last three minutes but the same thing happened against Kansas we didn't beat Kansas without him because Admiral wasn't hitting insane three he's got to right. know that when he gets that third foul they're going to be gunning for him when he gets that fourth foul you just can't like he tried to block the dude's shot and it was a wide open layup just let him have the two points because you're so much more valuable that's how his first foul was yeah his first like, foul was the guy had. You know, you're early on in the first half. It's a six to four game or something, some low score like that. Yeah. And the guy's going for like a wide open lap, and you just foul him. Like, yeah. You've got to know you're so much more valuable than one other team. Right. And I think he'll, like, I'm not worried. I, I kind of am worried about it a little, but at the same time, I'm not because I know the kind of player that Grant Williams is and the kind of coach Rick Barnes is. And I, I feel like they're going to figure it out. And he'll learn. Like he's a, a genius. So, but they, he's got a. Because we we talked about the depth. Like there's not, there's not a lot right now. So, 
Um, but they got Memphis Saturday on the road, reigniting the old rivalry. Probably be a pretty good game. Um, I don't have a line. Looked for one, but I couldn't. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I'd here. imagine balls are probably almost double digit favorites at this yeah. point. I don't know. Memphis is five and four, four and zero oh at home. Um, Memphis lost to someone recently. They're uh, uh, they shouldn't have. Yeah, there's they lost to uh, Char. Who is this? Charleston College of Charleston. Yeah. Um, but they average like they score a lot. They average eighty points a game, but they're also allowing seventy eight. So <laughs> they they score a lot. As long as we're hitting, I think we'll be fine. Yeah, I think so too. Um, but I'll be tuned in, watching it, checking it out, seeing what's going on. Um, and then uh, conference play—that's pretty much the last real. I don't think we really play anybody else until conference play, do we? No, I don't think so. I know we play like Sanford and Tennessee Tech and some teams like that. Tennessee Tech, but, wings up, baby. We'll get, yeah. we'll be slaughtered easily. Oh, for sure, for sure. Yeah. So, um, but we'll talk about that more once uh, conference play rolls around. But so far, so good for the Vols. Happy with their strong start. Hopefully, can get a little bit more healthy. Um, that would be really good um we're going to take one last short break and then when we get back we're going to answer we got quite a few questions this week um and we're going to answer those back here our last segment of infield fly this is one of my favorite parts of the show because we get some viewer feedback here and we get to answer specifically what you guys want to know about and our opinions on those so to get things started ben if you want to go ahead and get our first question out of the way i think your buddy jd sent us in a question yeah read that one for us and we'll get our takes on that one he did mr jd parker um sent us a question in he said, which will happen first, the Vols hire an offensive coordinator or the Marlins trade JT Real Muto? I don't know. We, I feel like we've been hearing about both of these things for half a year. Like, I'm surprised that the Vols <laughs> are not interested in JT Real Muto as their offensive, offensive coordinator. coordinator. <laughs> right? That would be golden if somebody <laughs> broke that story. Vols hire well, he's JT a good Real offensive Muto guy. OC. Yeah. Um, I think – I'm going to say the Vols hire an offensive coordinator first. And mainly we've talked about this a little bit off the podcast because we don't want to beat the dead horse. Like you said earlier, uh, I think they've already got somebody like they just haven't um, broken the news yet for whatever reason they're waiting around. And I mean, I guess there's really not at this point, there's no rush. <laughs> I mean, the recruiting's been fine without having an offensive coordinator. And so I don't know what they're waiting for, whether it's 
high school football to end or NFL to end or Which what? Which most high schools are it's done over. playing now. It's over. Yeah. So that so threw I, my idea out the window. Yeah, it did. But I still think that it's going to be that. Um, as far as Real Muto goes, like the Marlins have kind of fiddle farted around here and they have no power with trading him because so they've been asking, like we talked about this a little too. They asked the Braves for Albies for him and they've asked the Dodgers for Cody Bellinger. Well, they're not getting Cody Bellinger, Ozzy Albies or anybody no. like that from anybody. And real Muto's already made it pretty clear. He's not re-signing. So they have absolutely no power really in trading him. Um, if they want to get anything in return, they're going to, they're going to have to take whatever's offered. So, but to answer the question, I think balls balls are going to hire an offensive coordinator first. I would agree with that. Um, I'm starting to think that they don't already have their guy. I yeah. think maybe this is real. Um, especially <laughs> whenever they didn't go and get who I thought they were going to get rush probes. Uh, I think they're just dragging their feet. And I saw Wes Rucker. I cannot stand the guy, but he made he had wrote an article and it, it was a fair point. He said hire taking a long time to hire an offensive coordinator coordinator is better than the alternative, and that is hiring a bad offensive coordinator. It's very true, but I think this process you have reason to be upset about it. They have not been transparent at all. Um, I think if they were to come out and say Yes, we wanted Hugh Freeze, but there were some issues that we had, and we we reset our search after that. Mm-hmm. I would feel so much better at this point, and because the way that that was handled, whether it be Fulmer, whether it be higher ups at Tennessee, whether it be the SEC that nixed that one, because there are legitimate sources. Everyone from John Bryce, who is probably the most respected source or has, is the most respected person with sources in that university, or whether it be Houston Cress or whoever you want, basically whoever you want to ask that has a legitimate background and sources said that Hugh Freeze wanted that gig and Jeremy Pruitt wanted him, but something prevented it from happening. Yeah. I think if you're more transparent about what transpired there, I'm feeling a whole lot better than I am right now because – it just feels like we are moving in quicksand. Yeah. Like we are just sinking and we're trying to get out of it. We're running, we're struggling, and we just keep sinking further and further. Now, that doesn't mean we're going to end up with a bad offensive coordinator. We could very well go find the next, I don't know, I don't know, Marty Schottenheimer. I don't know, some good offensive mind. But you're not – and if this is ultimately the case with anyone you hire, even Hugh Freeze. You're not going to know – if it was a good hire or not until, you know, probably mid to end of the next year. Like you're yeah. not even going to know the first game or second game of next season. So, but it's just the process has really ticked me off. Um, as far as Rio Muto goes, and you hit the nail on the head, you're not getting Bellinger, you're not getting Albies. And I know Albies had a terrible second half of the year, but you watch the first half of that season, mm-hmm. and he looks like a superstar. And he's got raw power and raw speed that you cannot teach. So, like, I honestly, at this point, it feels like the Marlins just aren't going to trade him. They're just going to take their lumps and just 
be stupid about it. Like, they give away Giancarlo Stanton. Yeah. They give away Marcelo Zuna. They trade Yelich for an okay price. Like, but I feel like now, now they to... think JT is, like, the best of those. Are you kidding me? So like, I he feel like they got so to... much more. Yeah, I feel like they're trying to cover their tail and get a crazy right from Utah because they didn't get that good of stuff for for those other guys. I don't know who's calling the shots down there because I never never agreed with this because I love that Giancarlo Stanton went to New York. But to get back what they got for him, but then to be asking this much for JT Real Muto, yeah. that smells funny to me. I'm not saying there's some conspiracy, conspiracy going on. Conspiracy alert. Jeter. But that that smells very fishy to me. Conspiracy alert. And maybe it's not a huge conspiracy, like a, he's trying to destroy the Marlins, but maybe just a one-time, here, I'll help you out kind of deal. Yeah. I'm not saying that's completely off the table. And I'm, I'm pretty big on conspiracies. I jump into them way too easily. <laughs> but, but I'm just saying, man, like, you can't tell me that's not a little fishy that he's going to trade an MVP uh, to the Yankees for what little he got back and then get trying to get this for an offensive catcher and we know how long those last in baseball. Yeah. Who's already said he's not going to re-sign with the Marlins. So. Yeah. Anyway. Um, our second question so. comes from your brother, Mr. Aaron Rochelle. And it, I'm just going to let you answer because it is very specific to the Braves. Right, right. Um, he said, "Will Kyle Wright be in the rotation by the All Star break?" So I don't. I mean, I don't know. Like, is Kyle Wright? But is he all's number one prospect? Like, as far as pitching goes, uh, I I would think Soroka would still Soroka technically still, be considered a prospect. A prospect yeah. yeah, and he's got the he's got the most um, composure. Not necessarily the best stuff, Soroka. This is, um, but yeah. he's more major league ready than Kyle Wright is. We've seen Kyle Wright. He's he's been up in the in the MLB a couple or a couple cups of coffee towards the end of the year and has not looked good. Um, no, he's not going to be in the rotation. I think the Braves are still going to go get another starter at some point, and so that's going to slot everybody down, and that's going to put whoever you acquire. Maybe it's an ace, maybe it's not, but you're going to have that person, Fulty and Gosman in the one, two, three in some order, mm-hmm. and then you're going to have Newcomb at four. And then you're going to have a fifth spot that's either going to go to Tukey or Soroka at that point. I think right now it's Soroka. Um, I think Kyle Wright could maybe be in a Tukey situation from last year where he gets called up mid-July or so. Yeah. Um, and, you know, maybe makes a spot start. Because, you know, injuries are going to happen. We don't know about Soroka's shoulder, if it's going to recover right. We talked about shoulders. They're hard to come back from. Um but if, if he does come back, Soroka, I think, is going to get that fifth spot. Um, and then Kyle Wright will mostly work. I think he's going to be in AAA most of the year, make a spot start, come out of the bullpen towards the end. Um, but as far as stuff goes, Ben, Kyle Wright has the best stuff in this entire organization. Yeah. Like his fastball is upper 90s. Um, he has a good breaking pitch. He's got a, an okay changeup. Like, I mean, he went to Vandy, so you know he's got – He's got some pedigree with him as far as, like, composure. I mean, you've seen – I'm not saying he's going to be Walker Bueller from what he did this year, but those type of guys, like, they know how to pitch, too. Like, they've got good stuff, and they know how to use it. 
it just mm-hmm. hadn't all tied together for right yet. And he was the fifth overall pick for a reason. So I don't think we need to speed him through the process uh, yeah. too fast. Like his time's going to come. I think I think he'll probably be in the rotation at some point next, not this coming season, but the season after. I think he's more of a 2020 guy. Yeah. Um, but no, I don't think he's going to be in the rotation by the All Star break. I'd be, I would honestly be surprised if he's even in the major leagues by the All Star break. Okay. So, um, while you're talking about that, I, uh, I got, I've got a hot take that just okay. hit me while we're talking it. about the Marlins. Let's hear it. Um, and this one's pretty dang hot. Like I'm about to come in. This is the Harvey hot take. Derek Jeter, oh boy, is probably the most overrated player in MLB history. Oh my, get out of here. Okay, bro. That's not, no. Okay, we're going to have to how many MV, this one. How many MVPs does Derek Jeter have? MVPs? MVPs. How many, Derek, how many MVPs? I don't know if he's won one, has he? He hasn't. He's never won an MVP. How can you tell me that okay. he's the greatest shortstop that ever breathed? And he's never won an MVP. No, I don't he think never... many people are saying he's the greatest shortstop that ever breathed. Come on so. now. Come on now. There is a lot. Of... His career war is 72, which is like barely ahead of Scott Rowland. Okay, Scott Rowland pretty dang good, but we're not talking about Scott Rowland as one of the best players <clears throat> in the history of baseball, like people talk about Jeter. He only led the American League in batting average. Never. <laughs> he never led the AL in batting average. I see he where this is going. Never, where's it going? That we're going to start pulling stats. No, we're just going to start pulling stats what out of the hat. you want me to pull out? His, um, I don't want stats. I want his stats of, oh, yeah, he's won X amount of World Series and been a yeah. major contributor to that World Series. Was he though? Wasn't like he was just along for the ride. Look up his postseason numbers, bro. One, he's been one okay. of the best clutch hitters in the postseason of all time. Yeah. Oh, I'm not. I'm not going to argue that he's clutch. Like he's one of the most clutch players. But okay, he won four World Series in his first five years. But his offensive stats were like Bernie Williams, Paul O'Neill and Tino Martinez were all better than him in the postseason. Then. And after all they retired, 400 career hits. Is that stat? Not at, anything to you. Does 310 <laughs> batting average for his career. Not mean anything to after, you. No, I'm not saying that he's not good. I'm just saying he's not the greatest shortstop of all time or, or even one of the top 10 greatest Yankees of all time. It, whoa, 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 man. You need to slow down, buddy. Slow, slow He is down. not. He's, he's not, not. You don't think he's a top 10 Yankee? No. All right, tell me who you who you think are then. Okay. Top uh, 10. Mickey I'm putting Man. you on the spot here. I, I'll give you a second, but okay. I can stall for you if you need me to. But Yeah, I mean, he is, Man- he Mantle. Is easily there for me. Mantle is probably DiMaggio. Yeah. Babe Mantle DiMaggio, Babe Ruth, Lou Gehrig, um, A Rod. Uh, Whoa, wait a second. You're putting A Rod as a top 10 Yankee over Derek Jeter? Yes. That's a head. I don't know about that one. Mary, okay, okay. We'll take A Rod out, man. 
Okay. Um, yeah, take uh, Okay, so Babe Ruth, there. Mickey Mantle, Lou Gehrig, Joe DiMaggio, Mariano Rivera, Yogi Berra. How many is that? I think that's six. Okay. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't know every Yankee that ever played. Uh, I would put Don Mattingly. I would put him over Jeter. May no, no, I wouldn't put Mattingly over. No. Um, uh, uh, I'm putting a rod, man. A rod is better than Jeter ever was. Um, I will agree that he's a better player, but as far as Yankee tenure, a Rod had what three or four good years with the Yankees? What did he have? How many good years? That, he played with them from 2004 to 2016. Okay, yeah, I didn't realize he was more, that long. More than three good years. Okay, maybe Jeter's top ten, but he's not like on their Mount Rushmore. Yeah, A Rod had some pretty nice years with the Yankees. So. Yeah, uh, but, like it's just he's not. He's not – Jeter is good. Don't get me wrong. He's he's one of the best. But he's not on the same level. Like, he has a few, like, memorable plays that people – He has nine gold out. gloves, Ben. Is that nine. right? Are you sure? Yes. I'm looking at it on baseball reference right now. He won the gold glove in 2004, 2005, 2006, 2007, 2008. 2009. Okay. Weird. Something screwy here. He's got three gold gloves. gloves. Okay. Two. They're dope. So they made a I line for when he played DH for one game. Okay. I yeah. Five I got gold you. gloves. So still five. Okay. Five gold gloves. You know how many Ozzy Smith has? 13. I don't care. Congrats. <laughs> his, but could he his, hit like Jeter could? What's Ozzy what's Smith's? Batting I don't know. Stats, I don't stats. know what's Cal Ripken's batting stats. They're way better than Jeter's. Look, Jeter is good, Man, you know, but he's you know, not one of the you're best. You're not going to convince me that Jeter's not a top five shortstops ever. He's not. I mean, I'm not. I told you, I don't think he's the best shortstop. I don't agree with that. But he's a top ten Yankee, and he's a top five shortstop of all time. You don't get 3,500 career hits and bat 300, 310 in your career without being good. Man, first round pick for the Yankees, and he lived up to the hype the entire time. They call him the captain, Mr. November. Never had a tainted record. Was well, things that we top. can't discuss on air. Top five player, as in with women. In MLB history. <laughs> okay, that he's number one. Like he's number one on that. But I'll give you my. So I'm. I don't think he's I mean, a top five shortstop because my like I'm going with Honus Wagner, A Rod, um, Ernie Banks, Cal Ripken, and uh, Ozzie Smith. So and you can call me a homer on Ozzie Smith if you want. You're a homer. I also have Barry Larkin up there too. So I don't think that Jeter is top five. He's not. He's a great ambassador for baseball. He's one of the most clutch players ever, but he's not as good as everyone thinks he was. So, but anyways, I digress. Digress there. Um, Let's go to our patron Justin's questions, Um, so we can talk more about our favorite players. Uh, His first one is: 
Blake, who is your all-time favorite Braves player? And for me, the same question, but with the Cardinals. Uh, you want to go first? Yeah, mine's pretty easy. It used to be small T. Yeah, mine is. Um, for, for Cardinals, yours is small T? Yeah, yeah, no, no, mine's pretty easy. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, his one no. season for St. Louis. Yeah, no, it used to be small T, but – that was back when I was a kid. Like, Smolty was near the end of his career, and I was kind of just in awe of, like, how good he was and just the stories about the Braves rotation yeah. with him, Glavin, and Maddox. Um, but, like, me growing up through middle school and high school watching the Braves, one player, it seemed like every time he needed to get a hit or hit a walk-off home run, it happened. Yeah. And that was the third baseman, Chipper Jones. I mean – I'm a homer. He, the second best switch hitter of all time. I mean, he does, and, and he doesn't lose anything from either side of the plate. I can pull up the stats if you need me to, but I don't think I have to. I mean, no, you don't. Nearly 500 career home runs. Um, he did win one MVP. Was I don't think he ever won a Gold Glove award, um, but he was really good with the glove, and he was just a class act. And he's a Southern guy. He just felt like – I've said this about Jeff Francoeur, and I feel more more about it than Francoeur than just about anybody. But, like, when you talk – well, not when you talk. When you hear the guy talk and you watch him play, it's just like – he's just an average dude just that's really good at baseball. Yeah. Like he's just a normal guy. You know, he likes to hunt. He likes guns. Like, he's, he's just, just a normal dude. Southern American who yeah. just so happens to be an all-time great in baseball. Yeah. So it's easily chipper uh, yeah. just because the legend that is Chipper Jones, it's just it's a fun guy to watch. And he's been gone for a while now, but he's in the Hall of Fame where he rightfully belongs to be. So I think I know what yours is too. It's kind of, you know. It's kind of it's sim- it's similar to Chipper right. kind of like mine's Albert. It's it's Pujols, easily Pujols. Um, I mean, he started playing in 2001. I was six, so didn't really um, didn't really get to you know appreciate him until I got older. Um, and this, you know, Albert catches a lot of flack now because of how bad his contract is with LA, and he hasn't been great <clears throat> since going over there. And I think that we forget just how awesome this guy was. Um, so I went and looked cause I know I had seen this a while back and I wanted to pull it back up cause we all know how amazing Mike Trout is right now. Right. So yeah. this is com- through their first 1000 career games, Mike Trout versus Albert Pujols batting average. Trout is 308. Pujols was 330. Um, home runs 224 for Trout 266 for Pujols. RBIs, uh, 617 for Trout, 804 for Pujols. OPS, Trout, 988, Pujols, 1.04. An OPS over 1,000. And then he only struck out 400 times through his first 1,000 career games. Like, because of how his career took a sharp decline in L.A., We've kind of forgotten just how amazing he was. Like, 
MVP finishes in top his lowest MVP finish. He finished ninth in 2007. All the other years was top four MVP finishes. He hit an OPS of 1.114 in 2008. <laughs> That's unreal. It's pretty good. Uh, I mean, he hit for the first 10 years of his career. He was over 300 every year, over 100 RBIs every year, and over 30 home runs every year. He's the only player ever to do that. And in his 11th year, he hit 99 RBIs and he hit 299. So pretty much 11 straight years of complete dominance and being the best yeah. player in the game. It's. It, I wish that he had stayed – I wish that his career hadn't dropped off so badly in L.A., but, I mean, this it's a first ballot Hall of Famer easily. Right. So, yeah, for me, it's Albert. I mean, I, I don't have, like, all the, I guess, emotional ties like you do to Chipper because he did leave St. Louis, and, I mean, I don't know, he's like a, it's a good old country boy, but I, I, Albert Pujols is a great dude. Like, he's got charity foundations and stuff like that. Um. But, yeah, it's easy for me. It's Albert Pujols, and it, I don't know that that will ever change, even though Yachty has made quite a push to get up there because of how much Yachty loves St. Louis. And his career seems like it may never end. Like, he's immortal almost. He just keeps on producing and being one of the best catchers. But, yeah, it's Albert. Um, I know, Machine. I just Albert. I just Albert. And yeah, he's awesome. Um, so then Justin's second question was, what is the best ballpark in the MLB? And then he, he put a little addendum on there and he said, why is it PNC park? But Justin is a big <laughs> guy. loves the Steelers, love the pirates. Um, but I've actually had the privilege of going to, I counted it up after Justin sent that question. I've been to 13 parks. Um, Luckily, and I've been to PNC Park, and it actually is my number one park that I've been to. It is absolutely gorgeous, um, sitting right on the banks of the river, and you can see the bridges in the background. And Pittsburgh is a pretty nice city, and it was it was a lot of fun at that park, and it was an absolutely beautiful park. Um, so I kind of did like a little rankings of the parks I've been to, and PNC was number one followed by Camden Yards in Baltimore, which a lot of people have, I mean, like talked about that one. And it's really nice too. like, those were both awesome parks. And then I have Fenway at number three, which me and you went to over the summer. Yeah. Um, Fenway is awesome. It's really old. It's really historic. And the atmosphere is just unbelievable. Um, number four, I have, AT&T Park in San Francisco. It was really awesome right there on the bay. It was freaking cold. It was like <laughs> late it was late June and I had to wear like two jackets. It was freezing. And then um number 5 I have Yankee Stadium. This um this uh it's Yankee Stadium. Like when old or new? The new one. The new one. I haven't okay. been to the old one. But like you get off the subway and it just smacks you right in the face. And you're like, wow, right? This is this is Yankee Stadium, man. Um, but I'll go ahead and tell you my bottom one that I've been to too is 
Tropicana Field. It's terrible. It's <laughs> it is awful. Like it's in a horrible location, and it's just a dump, and like it's ugly inside. Like the field is awful looking. But PNC has been my favorite one that I've been to. What about you? So I haven't been to thirteen parks. I hope to make that number go up whenever yeah. I get married and have someone to go with me. <laughs> um, but I've been to Turner Field, SunTrust, Fenway, and New Yankee Stadium. Yeah. And so I'm just really going to do my rankings off of that because I cannot vouch for anywhere else. Although I will say on the show, Camden Yards looks like a place that I would it's, love to go to 20 it times really a year. Awesome. It is really awesome. Um, but it's hard to separate Fenway and SunTrust for me. Uh, I, we were talking about this a little last night, but I think the way that SunTrust was built and what's around it is like going to be the new wave of stadiums that are built. So for anyone who hasn't been there, they have what's called the battery, and that's kind of like the outside of the stadium. Um, there's two different roads that you can – or not really roads. There's a road, and there's kind of like a, a walkway, I guess, that you can walk through. And they have all kinds of restaurants, hotels. There's a movie theater. There's bars. Uh, there's a park that's literally right next to the gate that you go into right field. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's all kinds of stuff that you can do outside the stadium. That's all modern and was, has been built in the last two years. Um, and you can do all that without getting a ticket. Um, you really only need the ticket just to get into the gate and watch the game. Yeah. So like you can, you can go down the morning of a game, I'll say a seven thirty game. You can go down at nine o'clock and go shopping and then go get some lunch and then go watch a movie, and then, oh, yeah, we get to go to a baseball game and then walk, you know, another 100, 200 feet out the gate, and there's your hotel. Um, And that's just on the outside. Now, the inside of the stadium is absolutely gorgeous. The beautiful chop house made of brick. Um, I've actually sat in the chop house before, and just, I mean, it's like you're at a restaurant at the baseball game. There's waiters that come and take your order bring your food to you and you just sit there and have a good time. Um, and there's a lot of, I've sat in multiple places in that stadium. And every time I've sat somewhere aside from the first time that I went, I was not disappointed with my seats. Um, so I think best all around would be SunTrust for me. But as far as like you want a chill moment, you want to feel like you're in history, like living history. When you go to a stadium, you have to go to Fenway. Yeah. Because uh, when we took that tour, like I was getting chills. When I when I walked through that tunnel and saw the monster for the first time, like being a baseball fan my entire life and only ever seen it either on TV or on a video game, but to see it in person for the first time, like it gets you emotional. Like how much you invest into this game and how much you care about baseball and that is like the essence of baseball is that stadium because of all the great players that have played there. Yeah. You know, from Yastrzemski to Boggs to, to Ortiz to Ramirez. I mean, and all of them played there and you're staying in the exact same stadium that's been there since I believe 1912 or 1914 or one of those early years. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, just to feel that when you walk in, just to walk around that stadium and then to watch watch a game there, like it's just like a movie. It was like a movie to me. So, but I mean, that's all around SunTrust, but Fenway is just so magical. And like, I'm sure Wrigley is similar to that. But, I would love to go to Wrigley. But I've heard a lot of my friends that have been there say that it is an absolute dump. Yeah. Else, well, like, it is Chicago. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I have been to New Yankee Stadium, but we flew up there to watch a game and it got rained out. So I was That's in there so for so all of. And this was back when the Yankees had Cano and Teixeira. Overrated. Was, I think this was the year after they had won the World Series. Oh, yeah. Uh, and they were going to play the Dodgers, who at the time had Gonzalez in his prime and a bunch of other, like Crawford and a bunch of other good players. So it would have been a heck of a game to watch, but eh, yeah. of course, rain, you know. So, yeah, well, good show this morning. Um, I'm going to try right. and get this thing loaded up um, so I can get it out before the weekend, hopefully. Uh, we got one more quick out the door. Blake, it's on you this week, so I'm prepared. I'm ready for a quick, you ready? quick hitter. Yeah. Yeah. So what I usually try to do with this is I wait until the show starts. And then as we begin to talk about things, that's when I come something up with like what in your brain. Yeah. You know, something may be related, something maybe not. Um, but you know, going and I am stalling right now. Um, <laughs> okay. I know last week, what was it last? We didn't have one last week. I don't know because we, we did a short. We episode. just had our little mini show. So, I'm going to, I've got an idea, but I can't remember if we've done it before or done something like it. So if we have, just tell me and I'll come up with something else. Okay. But it's not sports related. Okay. What is your all time favorite Christmas gift? Oh, okay. No, we haven't done this. Okay. Like, I couldn't remember if we had or not. Like a present that I've gotten that I've received? Yeah, yeah. Not, not given, received. Uh, oof, man. That's tough. Yeah. We're going to sound like spoiled kids here, but I mean. I don't know, know, man. Like, I'm probably going to go. I'm pro. I guess I'm probably going to go with my PlayStation 4. Yeah. Just because, like, I use it literally every day. Like whether it's, <laughs> I mean, like that whether sounds it, sad, but it's true. <laughs> I mean, whether it's to play games or even if I don't, yeah, I'm definitely going to go with my PlayStation Four, and I'm going to tell you a lot of reasons why. Because, well, I, I use it to play games on. I use it to watch TV. I don't have cable, so I have PlayStation View, which is awesome, by the way. You should totally look into it. Um, I uh, watch Netflix, Hulu, all that stuff on it. And then at the same time, it keeps me connected. Like, Menu do these shows every week, but we also talk on PlayStation pretty much every day. Yeah. And I've made, like, I stay connected with people that I don't see that often. And we can we can talk while we play games. And I've met and you people. you make new I've, friends. I've made, like... <laughs> 10 friends on PlayStation of guys that I've never met in my life. 
and now I'm in an Instagram group chat with them. Like, <laughs> and they're awesome guys. Like, I I enjoy the conversations we have, and we we talk right. about all kinds of stuff, and it's just really fun. And like, so yeah, I'm I'm going with my PlayStation for sure. It's a definitive answer now. Just just thinking of of all the the good times it's brought me. I guess like, <laughs> I don't know. It's it's definitely my PS4. Yeah. I have to you? agree with you on that one. That yeah. that's mine too. Yeah. yeah. And for all the reasons that you said, um, plus when we got it, you know, they had just came out, and it was like 2013, I think that that December. Yeah. And we had opened all our presents or whatever, and you know, we both, me and my brother, both asked for one, but we didn't really expect it, you know, because they were so in demand and hard to get or whatever. And yeah. so we were kind of just going to just wait and probably buy one later on the next year. Um, and we opened all our presents, you know, we're eating our turkey or whatever. And uh, my parents bring out this box and it's like, hey, we got one more gift. Well, we're not thinking, oh, this is two PlayStation 4s or anything. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we opened it. My mom got it on video and I was acting like a 12 year old child who just got a pony or something. Like I went <laughs> nuts. But yeah, I put on. Uh, ungodly amount of hours into it yeah. and like before i had a smart tv like that's how you i would watch netflix yeah and that's how i would watch youtube on my tv um but yeah so i would go with that one as well it's a good one um christmas right around the corner looking forward all to right get on your shopping all. uh yeah you got your sister's gifts um, I, I went in with them on presents. Like I, I haven't bought anything myself. I just have sent money to people. take the easy route. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, uh, yeah, I just kind of hitch on, hitch my wagon onto them. Have you got your shopping done? I've shopped for everyone. I've got one more thing to get and I'll be done, but it's a gift card. So it's not going to. It's not like I have to rush to get it, but I've got all my other items purchased. The only gift card I bought, I'm proud of myself. I only bought one gift card this Christmas. So Nice. That pretty much wraps up today. Um, we'll hopefully be back next week, I would think. I don't know why not, really. Um, right. Not, we'll, probably, we'll probably be back next week, and then we might be off for – a couple like a week For because Christmas. It's Christmas, New Year's that next week. Um, right. So maybe something, maybe some stuff will happen between now and then that we can talk about. Um, but until then, keep uh, checking us out on Twitter and all that good stuff. I'm off. I'm off school now. Finals is over, so I'll have more time to devote to this. Going to try and get us a little more clout. Um, yeah. So it's been fun. Derek Jeter is overrated. He, he is not. Negative 152 defensive runs saved from 2003 to 2014. He has 3,465 hits and has a career <laughs> batting average of 310 and has a career o- OPS <laughs> around 500. Why so, was he – okay, Jeter. on his little flip play, why was he even there? He wasn't supposed to be there. He just was in the wrong but, spot. Jeter, but guess what? Overrated. He made the play anyway. He made overrated. the play anyway. Jeter, we're we're going to go on PlayStation right now and fight about this. So, uh, OPS, sorry, was 800. His slugging was near 500, my bad. 
Okay, not that great. <laughs> yeah, thirteen hundred career RBIs. How many postseason <laughs> RBIs? Well, I'll look that up and I'll yell How at many postseason at bats? Million. Okay, who cares? <laughs> who cares? Oh, uh, it's you still got to make guys. the hits. He hit three hundred eight in the postseason. Come on now. It's Come been fun, guys. It's been another great get out of here. Great little session. <laughs> Twenty gonna, career home runs in postseason. Get out of here right now. <laughs> peace, out, <laughs> peace out, guys.